0: You've found the Rock, Hesperia, and are on your way to building a solid life. We make disciples here. If you, your children, or anyone comes to Jesus, hears His sayings, and does them, your life will become solid. So let's get to it. We're in the series "A Spiritual House," and this is message number four: "An Unnatural Family." An unnatural family. So turn to two places in your Bibles, would you please? First Corinthians 13 and Acts chapter 4. First Corinthians 13 and Acts 4. But before we start into verse 31, let's bow our heads and pray. Father in heaven, we love you and we thank you for drawing us to yourself as you always do. We give ourselves to you today with open hearts And we ask that your implanted word would find its way down into the deep, rich soil of our hearts. And it would spring up, producing a hundredfold crop of love and blessing. And your spirit poured out from us to those around us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, turn to Acts 4, verse 31, which says this. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, And they all spoke the word of God with boldness. That's right. They spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, why do I draw this out? Why do I make this distinction? Because it's a crucial distinctive between us who are spirit-filled people. We're a spirit-filled church. You know, the rock is a place where God gets to do what he wants to do. And we know what he wants to do because he's given us the Bible. He's given us his word. In fact, the Bible says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, we when we read the pages of the Bible, it's almost like we're reading Jesus in book form. You know, He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And so, when we're reading the truth, we know that they shall know the truth, and the truth shall make them free. You know, Jesus, the Word, the truth shall make us free And something that happens with spirit-filled people is we go out and speak the word of God. This is our confidence. This is our hope. This is what we know. It's like, I don't know all what God knows, but I know what he said. And I can trust it because God is a God who keeps his promises. He swears to keep his promises to us. We are a covenant people in relationship with a real God who loves us so much that he's never going to let you down. And he's never going to leave you or forsake you. He's not going to leave you abandoned as an orphan. He's always going to be close right there whenever you look to him, always there with you. That's his whole heart, that they may be with me wherever I am. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm coming back so that I can receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Amen. And so this is the distinctive right off the bat. I want to make we are a spirit-filled people just like who we're reading about in this passage. And so look what it goes on to say. It says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Catch on to that. They were all of one heart and one soul. That sounds like unity to me. We've been talking about unity. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. Brought them where? Check it out. It says, they laid them at the apostles' feet, and the apostles distributed to each one as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, I want to look at this more clearly with you. All of them were together, all filled the Holy Spirit. And what happened? They were of one heart and one soul. They were united as one. The Bible says they had all things in common. And they didn't say that anything that they owned was only theirs. It said, no, I want everyone around me, everyone in this spiritual family, in this spiritual house to be taken care of. And so mine is yours. Yours is mine. We are together in this thing. And people who had extra, people who had lands and possessions, they sold them and they were able to distribute to everybody because they trusted the apostles to make sure that no one was left out. Doesn't this sound beautiful to you? Doesn't this sound like, what's what's the word I'm looking for? I'm I'm often called an idealist, and so the the pragmatic idealist that I am, uh, I, I tend to lean more toward idealism, but this gets me going. It gets me fired up. And maybe you're like me where you're like, this sounds so beautiful. I would love to live in this. Well, today is your day. Welcome to it. This is what I'm talking about. An unnatural family. This is not the way the world works. This is an unnatural family. And this is how we're described. This is how we're meant to act, meant to behave. And so look at this guy, Barnabas. You may have heard that name before, went on missionary journeys with Paul on that. His name is Barnabas. He was given that name, actually, by the disciples. And he says, uh, the Bible says he's a Levite. He had land, and he sold it. And he brought the money, laid it at the apostles' feet, and then they were able to take care of people. Praise the Lord. So we have examples of real people, just like you and me in the Bible, getting it done in this unnatural way. Hallelujah. Now, let's turn to John 13. Let's turn to John chapter 13 together. I have a book marked in my Bible so I can go quickly. But turn to John 13, and we're going to start reading in verse 34. Jesus says this, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus says, if you have love for one another, the whole world will know that you belong to me, that you're a Jesus follower, that you're a disciple, a disciplined follower of mine, because we run things a certain way around here, Jesus would say. And look what Simon Peter says. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. We're not going to hear the rooster crow in the morning until you've denied me three times tonight. Now, who's talking here? Peter and Jesus, right? So here's Peter, one of the 12 disciples. Look, who who among us feels like we're on the same level as Peter, right? The same level as the apostle Peter, father of the church. This one, the the man who preaches and 3,000 people get saved day one. Who, who of us thinks we're on that level? Who thinks that, that we're on the same level of Peter who, who speaks, stretches out his hand, brings some guy lame from birth up and stands on his feet, produces a miracle right there by the Holy Spirit? Who, who of us thinks that we're on the same level as the Apostle Peter? Who, who's the man that breaks tradition, alienated from his culture, right? Just alienates everybody right off the bat and brings the gospel to the Gentiles, Are you and I feeling a disconnect maybe from the level of the Apostle Peter? Uh, If you're anything like me, in humility, you would say, yes, I do not put myself on that level. So this is Peter, and this is Jesus talking, who we all know that we're not on his level. Amen. So none other than the Lord Jesus himself, perfect, sinless Jesus, the one who chose Peter personally. Jesus walking around, Peter, you come follow me. Wow. The one who healed Peter's mother-in-law. Do you remember this story? She's sick in bed with a fever. She's about to die. And Jesus comes around, heals her. Tells the fever to leave her. Fever leaves. She gets up and starts waiting on him as if nothing happened. What's going on around here? Let me get you some food, boys. You know, <laughs> beautiful. This is, this is the one who tonight will go to the cross and pay the penalty that is so beyond any of our comprehension that none of us, beyond even the pain, beyond the shame, we can never know what having all the sin of the entire world throughout all history is like. We can never know any of that. And we can never know what it's like to be sinless, not deserve it, and pay it anyway. We can never know. this. We're talking about this Jesus. So this exchange between Peter and Jesus is, is going down like this. And Jesus says, Peter... Before the rooster crows in the morning, you who just said, oh, you'll die for me, you'll deny me three times. Oh, not just once, not just twice. Peter, three times you're going to deny me tonight after all this big talk. Now, let me ask you this. How much more susceptible to this failing do you think you and I are? Yeah, a lot more. Isn't that right? Number one, neither of us is like Jesus, perfect in every way. And I'm not talking about the Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. I'm talking about Jesus is actually perfect in every way. See, we are unequivocally unperfect. Someone say amen to that. That's true. In humility, we say it. We fail on so many counts. We fail our brothers constantly, our spiritual brothers, our natural brothers. We fail everybody pretty regularly. We neglect to show love. Love like Jesus instructs us to show. This is is our predicament. And Jesus is painting this picture for us. And we have it written down in the scripture for our learning because even Peter couldn't do it. Even Peter failed. So what I want to tell you right now is even though you failed, even though I'm failing, we're, we're constantly in this mode of failure somehow The Lord still loves you, still has a plan for all of us. Praise God. And he's bringing us up. Every time we fall down, he lifts us right back up. Amen. That's the God that loves us and we love. Now let's talk about the hard stuff with this love attitude. Forgiveness, humility, graciousness. Is it hard to extend those to one another sometimes? Be honest. Is it hard to extend forgiveness? Is it hard to show and walk in humility with somebody else? Is it hard to be gracious with somebody? Yeah, it is. If you're being honest, it is. The scripture says, in honor, giving preference to one another. How often do we practice giving preference to one another? Oh, I prefer you. I would rather you get your way than me get mine. Oh yeah, how often do we do that? Not always. See, we fail to show love to one another sometimes, don't we? But look at this. I'm going to give you some scripture today that's going to help you out. We're going to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Let's turn there together. It says this. Do not lay up for yourselves on earth treasures where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Notice the Bible doesn't say that your heart is where someone else's treasure is. No, it says where you put your treasure is where you're putting your heart. It's almost like a a bank vault, you know, like guard your heart, right? We guard our money. (laughs) We're going to guard our hearts. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, hold on to that also word as well. There's something in it. In 1 John 4, verses 20 and 21, John says this, If anyone says... I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. He's a liar. How often do you hear that word? It's never pleasant, is it? A liar. So we can't candy coat this or, or sugarcoat it. John's not. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. It says, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he's not seen? And this commandment we have from him, from Jesus himself, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Also. You know, there's this thing called both and. You know, it's not either or, it's both and. And Jesus is king of this, both and. In Matthew 18, look what Jesus says. Moreover, if your brother sins against you. Okay, now check it out. Your brother has sinned against you. You didn't do anything wrong. Your brother sinned against you. Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Love covers a multitude of sins. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? Love covers a multitude of sins. So don't go blabbing to everybody else. Don't get a bunch of people on your side. No, Matthew 18 is like the quintessential reconciliation passage in the Bible. And so we go knowing that God has a way to bring estranged family members back together. And that's his heart, reconciliation. Tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. It's almost like you won him back. Praise the Lord. You won him over. You won his heart. And now you're back in this sweet fellowship. But if he will not hear, listen to those words carefully not cannot hear. Oh, he can hear. All right. If he will not hear, now take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Every word may be established. You know how sometimes you may be in a disagreement or you may be even in a discussion. You're like, we're just not connecting. We're not on the same page. And and the person you're talking to might be saying, is there a page? Because I'm lost too. And so you're like, you're estranged. You're alienated from one another. You're not connected in this way. And sometimes you need a mediator. Sometimes you need someone to come alongside you. How many times have I been here? Let Let me count the ways. You know, it loves me, he loves me not. It's, I have been here so many times and I have benefited from a mediator, somebody who loves me, who knows my heart, and somebody who loves the other guy that I'm in conflict with, knows his heart, who can come around and say, All right, now let's break it down. Let's talk right now. And so we talk, and I might get fired up about something. I have a misunderstanding. This has happened. So this is how I know it so clearly. Say, wait a second, tell telling me this? And and my friend Dan, God bless him, he's like, no, 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 that's not what he said. He said this. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's better, you know? (laughs) So take one or two with you that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established, may be truthful, may be on the level that you can hear it and receive it. And now look what Jesus goes on to say. And if he refuses... To hear them. Here we are again. Will not. Now he refuses to hear them. Tell it to the church. Now what am I saying? That we make a big old parade and and drag someone out here who's in error or who's in sin or who's in rebellion? No, we don't make a big old parade about it. Love covers a multitude of sins. There are so many things that I know that you will never, ever know. Even if it benefits me for you to know, I'll never tell you. Why? Because I love people. And their safety is my priority. More than my reputation. More than my benefit. I'm, my heart and my mandate, I'm out for their best. Even if they don't want anything to do with me, I'm still out for their best. This is how I roll. And this is how I'll roll with you too. You're welcome. (laughs) This is just, this is what the Lord wants though. And so since love covers a multitude of sins, I'm going to cover. Amen. Not cover up but cover and not expose and not shame and not humiliate people. See, when Jesus is saying, tell it to the church, what he's not saying is, here we go on a Sunday, I'm going to bring him right in here and we're going to hash it out in front of all y'all. No, there are elders, there are spiritual parents, there is authority in the church that we can say, hey, tell us about this, you you got something going on, can we help, Let, let us Try to reconcile you two because it's much better how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Didn't we talk about that Psalm 133 last week? And it's always should be on our lips for there the Lord commanded blessing life forevermore. Wherever there's unity, the Lord commands blessing. Don't we all want that? Wouldn't you want someone to reconcile you back if you're out of alignment and, and all of a sudden the blessing stops on you? None of us want that. And so this is what the Lord has for us. It says, But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Now, if any of you know much about the Bible, you know that they did not have much use and much love for tax collectors, and so they were putting the squeeze on the people, these tax collectors, and some of you, you maybe have some dealings with the IRS, and you're like, I know how that is, you know, but no, we still pray for them, and that's what we're getting after here. When we have someone in the world who hasn't crossed over from death to life yet, they're not in the family of God, how do we treat them? Do, do we kick them? Do we spit on them? I mean, I mean, do we talk bad about them? No. My friend Brian and I always talk about this. He's like, why, why do we expect the world to act like Christians? they don't know. (laughs) They don't know any better. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And after all, we're a spirit-filled people. So we have a leg up on the competition, so to speak. We already have an ace in the hole. The Holy Spirit is moving on the inside of us, telling us real things. And so they don't have any of that benefit, any of that blessing yet. So what do we do with godless people? Uh, Even if we were to say they're at the level of a tax collector, the level of a tax collector, terrible. If you're watching from the IRS, we love you. And uh, we know that you can make a difference in the kingdom. No matter what your job is, we're not mad at you. All right. So now all that tax collector stuff out of the way. Look, what do we do with unsaved people? We pray for them. We pray for their souls. We want them to enter into all the fullness that God has for them. Amen. Amen. So treat them like that. Let them be to you like a godless person that you pray for. And they say, Lord, clearly I'm not making any headway with this brother. He's done hearing me. And so because I love him, Lord, would you send someone to him that he will hear? He could have heard me, sure. But he wasn't hearing me. He wasn't about to hear me. Would you send him someone that he can and will hear? Because I want him to be restored and reconciled. I want blessing to resume in his life. Amen? That's our heart toward one another, even if we're out of alignment. Now look at verse 21. Peter, here he goes. Then Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord. Oh, you like that? This is a setup right here if I ever saw one. Lord, right? And what does Lord mean? If anyone has taken Operation Solid Lives or discipleship process, life-changing, transformative. We know that Lord means owner, master, controller, decision maker. Isn't that true? Lord, he starts off, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Oh, look how benevolent Peter's trying to be, right? Oh, Lord, shall I forgive him up to seven times? I mean, even seven And Jesus, like, Peter, I never said that. I never said anything like that. He said, I do not say to you up to seven times. Jesus says, up to 70 times seven. And you can just see Peter, like, getting out his calculator. Jesus, that's almost 500 times. And Jesus is like, that's right. You know, Jesus is, he's not here to not forgive people. He's here to forgive us. That's the whole point. He never did anything wrong. We seem to not be able to do things right. And so Jesus came to forgive us of all our sin, put his Holy Spirit in us to empower us to live holy, live like him, become like him. And it's like, You just keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. Because I tell you what, big boy, I've had to forgive you a lot. And it's like, and this is Peter, too. If you know much about Peter, you know, he's always, the thing is, it's not about him sticking his one foot in his mouth. The interesting thing is like, man, how's Peter going to find a way to get that other one in there? Because he manages, he manages to get both of them in there frequently. Isn't that true? And so Jesus like, yeah, 490 times. How's that? None of this seven times business. That lightweight over there. It's all about love. This whole thing is about love. Remember that Romans passage in Romans 12, verses 9 through 13. It says this. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. I mean, like, hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor giving preference to one another, like I referenced earlier, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Oh, come on. We can stop all over this place and be like, okay, okay. I got work to do here. I got work to do here. This patience thing, I'm not great at that. I'll tell you, you know, and it says continuing steadfastly in prayer. I mean, how often do we forget to pray for people? I mean, we're a praying people. Jesus said, my house should be a house of prayer, you know? And here we are, the living stones that make up the church, right? The church is not a building, it's a people. And that's not just a bumper sticker. That is the truth. Um And, and so we forget to pray. Like I told you, I had that, that problem. And my friend, first thing he, he says on the phone, he's like, hey, buddy, did you pray about this? <laughs> Sheepishly, I'm like, I got to (laughs) go. I got to go pray. No, I didn't pray about it. I forgot. How often do we forget to pray for people who are relying on us to pray for them? It says, continue steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints. Now, catch on to that. This is unnatural. This is not the way the world works. The world's like, I, me, mine, I, me, mine, I, me, mine, if there's any Beatles fans out here. And so it's not about I, me, and mine. It's about us and we and together and unity and I'm better when you're good. Amen. Because we're a body. We're we're one unit together. And I don't know what body part you feel like in the church body, right? If you feel like, man, I'm a knuckle <laughs> or I'm a heart or I'm an ear or you know, whatever, right? I'm a beard. I don't know. <laughs> that was a joke. Anyway, uh, I'm trying to work with this thing here. So it's always on my mind. You were always on my mind. Enough of that. It says distributing to the needs of the saints. Why? Saints have needs. Now, I I was saying to you last week, the saints go marching. I'm not going to do it again, but what's a saint? A football player. No, stop it. Stop it. New Orleans, right? No, stop it. The saint is someone who belongs to the family of God, belongs to God, is in this spiritual family. That's a saint. And so, you know, we don't elevate saints and and put them on pedestals literally or figuratively. You know, we, we don't do that around here, but we're all saints together. So just as Peter is a saint and Paul is a saint and Mary is a saint and, and, you know, Joe is a saint and, and, you know, Henrietta is a saint. Look, all of us in the family of God are saints and we get needy sometimes, don't we? Sometimes we get needy emotionally. Sometimes we get needy physically. Sometimes we get needy. uh, We have a lack of wisdom or knowledge or we have a lack of ability, to do something. I mean, that's my deal. I have a lack of ability in a lot of things. And that's why I got to call my brothers and say, Hey, I know you know how to fix this. I know you know how to think about this. Can you come help me? Can you, can you walk me through this over the phone? Can, can we get on the computer and and I let you take control and fix this or whatever? Sometimes we have needs. Sometimes we have financial needs. Isn't that true? Sometimes we have needs that in our career Look, we have the rest of the family of God to come around us and support us and bring us into blessing and into all that God has for us. And most of that is prayer. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. I mean, super generously. He just lavishes you with the wisdom that you need. And it could be wisdom about a financial investment. It could be wisdom about not spending as much money right? I uh, say, what happened to all our retirement? Man, we ate it all. We've been going to restaurants and we don't have anything left to retire on. You know, there is wisdom that the Lord has for you and it doesn't have to make sense, but he's going to give it to you. And so we pray and we distribute to the needs of the saints. We take care of one another. And it says, given to hospitality. That last part in Romans 12, uh, 9 through 13 says, we're given to hospitality, given to caring for one another. And so uh, even as Jen made me tacos a couple weeks ago and and, uh, Walt was here, you know, made him some tacos too, made him a nice plate of tacos. And so here we are enjoying sweet fellowship together. Uh, He he was sharing some of his wisdom with me, praise the Lord. And so uh, here, I want to talk to you more about what love is. I want to know what love is. (laughs) That's good. That one comes up a lot. And uh, so we say, Lord, I want you to show me. Oh, I was going to read it out of my Bible, but since I have it in the New American Standard, I'm going to read it from here. It says this, and we're going to take this somewhat slowly, but let's walk it through together, because I don't want you to hear this just as the, oh, this is the wedding passage of Scripture. This is what we always hear when people get married. Yes, but it's so much more than that. And this is in the context of being A spirit-filled church. a, A grouping of people that God has put together intentionally. Every single one of us are meant to be here and stay here with one another. Blessing one another. Influencing one another. Equipping one another. And being generous to one another. He's got this whole plan. Listen to how it sounds in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, If I speak... With the tongues of men and angels. But I don't have love. I've become a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Does anyone remember the gong show? Am I the only one to liked the gong show growing up? I love the gong show. It was like, boom, and they're off the stage, right? They like, get out of here, you no talent, you gotta go, right? Super silly acts and all that. I remember the gong show, my brother and I used to watch it constantly. And uh, that and press your luck. Big bucks, big bucks, no ammies stop. All right, back to the scripture. It says, if I have the gift of prophecy, this is big stuff here, and know all mysteries, and I know all knowledge. And if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, there's a mountain in my way. I got the faith, leave. But I have not love. I'm nothing. Nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, we would all agree man, that's a beautiful thing. If I surrender my body to be burned, perhaps in fidelity to the Lord, my commitment to the Lord, and, and I sacrifice my body to be burned. Or I rescue someone, I take their place in punishment somehow, and I allow my body to be burned. But do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. We talked about that patience thing. Love is patient. Do you ever find yourself struggling with patience? You're struggling with love. Love is kind. Ever feel like you weren't as kind in that interaction as you could have been? Oh Lord, here we go. Here I am a Christian many, many years, and I get in a financial bind. I'm in a situation. I'm freaked out. I, I don't know yet. I, I'm, not, I'm not practiced yet in the don't worry about anything, be anxious for nothing. Tomorrow's gonna have enough worry of its own. Wait, leave it till then. You know, I, I haven't learned any of that, I haven't practiced any of that. And here I am, a a Christian, and I am screaming on the phone at the bank, screaming like a madman. I I mean, I'm confessing to you. I confess all these terrible things about myself so you don't feel so bad, all right? I'm right here with you, Uh, but can you hearken back to a time that you're like, yes, yes, I I absolutely did that wrong. I was not kind. I was in no way an example of a Christian that day. Right uh, in, in OSL, we were talking about you know maybe someone commits this horrible sin, you know, say and he's spirit filled, you know. Well, he wasn't that day. And now that, that's certainly been the case for me. Well, he wasn't that day. It says love is kind and love is not jealous. You ever been jealous for anyone or anything? not loving. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. You struggle with pride? Does pride ever creep in there? I will tell you most assuredly, yes, it does. I don't know who you are. Uh, I know many of you, but I don't know exactly what your life has been like, but I can tell you this. Every one of our lives, the underlying thing is mostly pride. Any wrong that we ever do, mostly it's because, you know what? I deserve this, or I deserve not to do that, or I deserve this now and not later. And me, me, selfishness, pride, arrogance, I deserve it. Look at all, look at me. No. It says, love does not act unbecomingly. Love does not seek its own. All these related to selfishness. It's not provoked. It doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. (sighs) People who like to dredge up the past remind you that, oh, remember six years ago when you did this? Remember three months ago when you did this? Well, remember yesterday? Remember five minutes ago? It's like, look, we already handled this thing, though, that was five minutes ago. We handled all this stuff or whatever. How, How is it again coming back up? This is not right. This is not love. Keeps no record of wrongs here. There's no secret tally somewhere in your mind or on a ledger that we should have to come back and re-reconcile over and over again. No, when there's forgiveness, when, when there's reconciliation, it's done. The Lord is so amazing. You know what He does with us? With all of our sin, all of our mistakes. You know what God does? He chooses to not remember he chooses to not remember. You know, some translations may say forget, but I, I think forgetting is more like a, a passive, I don't have any control of this. It's like inside out, right? You know, it's like the, the, all those little spheres are going to the dump, the memory dump, right? And it's like, oh, I just forgot them, right? Well, keep chopsticks and whatever the other, the other piano song was, keep those and, and blow off the rest. No, God doesn't forget. He chooses to not remember. Love covers a multitude of sins. Man, It's good. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? It says, does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Righteousness being you know, rightly related to God. Rightly operating in his family, in, in this community of faith, in this spiritual house, in, in the ways that we go about our spiritual lives. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness. But it does rejoice with the truth. And and even here again, the truth. I almost can't say those words anymore without thinking of Jesus. I am the way, the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. You rejoice with Jesus. You rejoice with the truth. Amen. Love bears all things. You feel like you can bear all things? You feel like you're great at that? I can handle it. Broad shoulders and all this. Yeah. Love bearing all things. Always. Think about it. Think about it. We're going to bring this before the Holy Spirit. So don't panic. Don't get under any condemnation. The Lord is making a, a new thing stirring in your heart. And he's going to bring it forth. Remember, the seed is going into the good soil of our hearts. And it's going to produce some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. I'm praying that you get and squeeze every drop out of this that the Lord has for you. Let's keep reading. It says, love believes all things. You know, someone may say to you, look, I, I was having a bad day. I really didn't mean that. Uh, I said that to you. It was harsh. It was, it, it's not really how I feel in my heart. I just was overwhelmed, and, and I got ahead of myself. And I, I'm so sorry. I apologize. Would you forgive me? Love believes that. Believes all things. Your flesh is not going to want to do it. Your natural man is not going to want to do it. But this, we're an unnatural family. We're a peculiar people, the Bible says. We, we don't even like live here on this earth. We're just kind of passing through. Our residence is in heaven. We're heavenly people now. And so we're just on our way through here to heaven, trying to bring as many people along with us as possible. Get on the bus. You know, we're going to heaven. All right. And last two, it says, Love hopes all things. Maybe in this time you felt like, oh, I feel like I'm low on hope. I feel like I'm out of hope. I'm hopeless. No. Love hopes all things. And love endures all things. There's a, a great uh, a song that I really love from OK Go. It says, this too shall pass. And it's true. This pandemic will pass. All kinds of things will pass. Love hopes all things and endures all things. Are you ready to hope again? Are you ready to endure again and say, ah, give me some fortitude, Lord. I I can endure through you, through you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not who used to strengthen me, who strengthened me that one time. No, who strengthens continually whenever I need it. I can do all that God's called me to do through Christ who strengthens me every time. Amen. You may just want to say those words. You may want to write down on a post-it and put it on your dashboard. You may want to put it on the fridge. You may want to put it on the bathroom door, on on the bathroom mirror. You may want to put it at your desk at work. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you believe it? Is your hope and your faith rising, your confidence in what the Lord is going to do with you? I'm convinced. I'm convinced you've got it in you in spades because you've got the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit inside you. Amen. Look at this. It says, love never fails. We talked about all of our failings, right? Love never fails. I love that scripture. Perfect love casts out all fear. So listen, love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they'll be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it'll be done away. For we know in part And we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, oh, the partial will be done away. You see, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child. I used to think like a child. I used to reason like a child. And it stands to reason that you would. But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then face to face. Even think about that in a mirror. I was watching some cop show or whatever, and uh, they were looking at a photograph, and he's like, ah, well, that that couldn't be our guy because clearly you know, his his wristwatch was on his right hand, so he's got to be left-handed. He couldn't have thrown that punch. Ah, but this was taken through a mirror. So your perspective is even off at that point, right? We see through a mirror, and at that, dimly. It's like a grungy mirror. But then we will see face to face. That's some perspective. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these. Is love, and this love that Jesus is talking about, that He commands us when in the great commandment that I'm talking about constantly. So He says, "Love God, the Father, best with with all your strength, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul." And the second greatest commandment is like that one: love your neighbor as yourself. Love those that God has placed around you, just like you love yourself. You take good care of yourself. You don't miss many meals. Especially if you're like me, I don't want to miss any meals, you know, and you take good care of yourself. If, if you hit your funny bone, you know, one of our kids just discovered their funny bone. It was very sad. Uh, but it, you know, we went through that whole thing again. You, you like, oh, you, you cherish it. You, ner- you know, you're like, oh, you're, you're holding on to it. So I want you to be okay because if one part of me hurts, I hurt. It's the whole thing. I'm, I'm just hurt now. And so this love that Jesus is talking about is not normal. It's not it's not natural, we're unnatural creatures now and we're meant to live in an unnatural way, away from the natural order of things in the world, uh, away from how they do it. That was that was my old self. Remember old things have passed away, behold all things have become new. That's right. All things have become new to me because I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation in Jesus. I've been raised from death to life. If you're in the family of God, you've been made new. And there's that whole series you can go check it out too. But this is what I'm talking about. The love that Jesus has for us and wants to extend through us, it's it's unlike anything you've ever known. And I would hazard a wager that if I were a betting man, I would hazard a wager that you've never experienced this to the extent that God wants you to experience it. And this is what I'm doing. I'm going crazy and I'm saying, hey, why don't we do it? Why why don't we become these people? Do you want to go on this journey with me? Can we become this together? Will we become this together? Because I know what the Bible says. The Bible says you can, you should, and you must. I see so few, if any, really do it. Would you join me in this pursuit? I want to share this with you. I I want us to enjoy this benefit together. Because it's not just do this because I said it. The Lord always has good for us. And so he's saying, come on, kid. I know you can do it. I I got this for you. I've given you the instruction. I've told you how it's going to be. I've told you how good it's going to be on the other side. Will you just give yourself to it? Please say yes today with me. I'm saying yes I'm saying, yes, for you, for you and me, as much as it depends on me, I am going to engage in this way, continue engaging this way with you. W- will you reach back? Will you also engage that way with me and the rest of our church family? I want us to be so interconnected that it's like, man, they are so united. And then the world would see, man, there is so much blessing over there. That's, that's what I want. Last week, I shared with you, Ed Stetzer said, returning to normal after such a historic moment would be nothing short of missing one of the greatest opportunities of our lifetime. Returning to normal after all this, we have an opportunity right now to do something incredible, something miraculous to become this together. I'm I'm lit up about this. I'm excited. He says, we've been handed the chance to be better and do better. Let's go and do it. Let's go and do it. If you're ready, would you bow your head and let's make a commitment to the Lord. Let's ask him for the help that we are going to need to effectively do this. But let's pray right now. Come on, join me. Say, Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for my spiritual family. today I see them in a new light more like you see us I invite you to work in me to change me into someone who demonstrates extravagant love to my church family And let the world see it. And crave what we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen thank you. This is exciting. This is exhilarating. We are going to get there. We will be this spiritual house. We will be the spiritual family God describes. He's like, this is the family that I've always dreamed of. Be it. And we're like, okay, this is going to be amazing. And I thank you so much for joining me on this journey. Now, If you have not yet even joined the family of God, and you're like, I have no idea about any of this stuff. I'm I'm catching bits and pieces, but I want it. Now is your opportunity. I want to pray with you right now. And so if you've not become a Christian, if you've not joined the family of God, if you've not done anything like that, say this with me. Say, Father God, because He is your Heavenly Father, whether you know it and accept it or not. But today, That's why we start that way. Say, Father God, I am sorry for all my mistakes and all my rebellion. I choose to learn about and live for Jesus. Today, I choose to follow you forever. I believe Jesus died for me and that you brought him back to life. I ask you to raise me to new spiritual life. And I thank you for welcoming me into your beautiful family.